Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. No Greeny today. Game Nigel, Jeff Turn filling in for Greeny here on ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Hope everybody had a happy Thanksgiving. Holiday rolls into. I think basically everybody has Black Friday off unless you happen to work in retail. Although I don't even know if Black Friday is much of a thing that a lot of people are lining up outdoors anymore. Everybody just kind of, you know, pull up your phone. You order whatever you need with all those discount codes you need off of your phone. Uh, but yesterday, we, we got some some treats yesterday. And, and now I'm not just talking about the food that you may have had with your family. Uh, three of the top four NFC teams were in action. Now, it didn't go great for one of the teams because the Lions lost at home. That was a game where they thought that they really were going to come in and, and, and just kind of establish themselves in front of a national audience. Hey, we're the Detroit Lions. We're here to stay. And, you know, everybody making jokes on social media yesterday about the Lions of old. But you got dominating victories from the Cowboys, a dominating victory from the 49ers. Niners, what were you most impressed with, Jeff, at the end of the three Thanksgiving games we got yesterday? I was most impressed that after filling in for Greeny yesterday alongside Aaron Goldhammer that I kept the theme going of KOD on his show because we were picking the games yesterday. And, Gabe, I picked the Lions to win and cover. I picked the Commanders to lose but cover. And then I picked the the uh seattle seahawks to figure out a way not only to cover but outright win that game at home in a division matchup so uh, just like greeny kiss of death every single thing i picked was opposite yesterday so um i i definitely kept the theme up with greeny's show and all the terrible selections i had on thanksgiving well, as we get closer to kickoff of a 3 p.m. Jets-Dolphins game, just everybody keep that in mind. Like anybody who <laughs> happens to be, you know, we'll throw out the qualifier when we talk about it then, but just kind of keep that in the back of your mind if we happen to make picks around the Jets-Dolphins game. I'll tell you what, Dak Prescott, man, he, he just continues to go out there and, and dominate games. He just continues to look really good with Mike McCarthy, not just as the head coach, but as the offensive coordinator. And here's what the Cowboys quarterback had to say yesterday on the improvement of the Cowboys offense over the last handful of games. I don't know that I could just put my, you know, put, put my finger right on and say this is the why. Um, as much as, as I've talked about, new system, new play calling, we know what we want to do. You know what I mean? We know how we want to attack. We know how we want to go at these different teams. And honestly, credit to the offensive line. I mean, I think that's where, that's where it starts. The way that they're protecting, giving me time to take shots down the field. Yeah, guys are running. Guys are running to win. He, he, he's flying them off the call sheet, and, and it feels good. I understand if you are a part of the Cowboys naysayer club that you'll quickly point out that the Cowboys have not played or actually not won a game over versus a team over 500. The fact is they haven't played many of them. Yeah, they've played the 49ers. They played the Eagles, hung with the Eagles, got blown out by the 49ers. You can only play who you can play. And 
they've done what you're supposed to do in the majority of these games. If there's if they're an inferior team coming into your house on a nationally televised Thanksgiving game, you do what the Cowboys did to the Washington Commanders yesterday. And I just continue to get impressed, be impressed. And when, when you start talking about improvements of teams, Jeff, sometimes you need to take those steps against the inferior opponents. So then when you're playing the really good teams, which, by the way, if you look at the Cowboys schedule coming up, we're going to learn a lot about Dallas Cowboys and Dak Prescott over the next four or five weeks. Yeah, no but doubt. You, kinda, I, you, you start building up that momentum against those inferior teams, so then you're really ready to go against those good teams. Yeah, and I think the only time they've tripped up against an inferior team was the Cardinals earlier in the year, and, and they came back, and they've really rebounded from there. Now, I think it's a real thing with regards to the overall resume when you're evaluating Dak Prescott holistically, and you say, you know, from year to year, over a five-year period, let me see the wins in the playoffs. But if we're just specifically talking about 2023, this man is playing better football than Patrick Mahomes, than Josh Allen, than Lamar Jackson. You name any quarterback in the league, you're seeing Dak Prescott play at a different level than all of those guys. And against these inferior opponents, you know, the Giants and the, the Commanders, they're not just beating them. They're beating them up, and then they're scoring significantly more points than them. So I think that ultimately is a confidence booster when you go into some of these tougher matchups that are coming up and you go back you you rewind a few weeks we knew that there was a couple of games coming up that the the Cowboys were most likely going to win and they didn't stumble for Cowboys fans you hope that that gives them the momentum when they're playing these better teams down the stretch that they win those games and if you even go back to that game against Philadelphia if you if if you have an inch uh, farther in the end zone, you score that touchdown with your tight end, and if Dak Prescott's toe doesn't touch out of bounds, you win that game. So I think that also, even though in a loss, gives Cowboy fans and specifically that locker room a lot of confidence right now. Yeah, you mentioned their tight ends, and Jake Ferguson's playing well, C.D. Lamb. I mean, who thought that the Cowboys were going to be able to make Brandon Cooks into a productive wide receiver in 2023? Like they're, they're using all the weapons that they have at their disposal, and they've talked to, you know, with Tony Pollard, who's been fine and had a decent game yesterday. But, you know, a lot was made going into the season about, okay, they've got CeeDee Lamb, who else have they got? And they've been able to figure it out because of how well Dak Prescott has played. Again, going to find out a lot more about the Cowboys in some games coming up because next Thursday they have the Seahawks, and the stretch run for them includes the Eagles at home, so they'll get a rematch of that game that you were just talking about. And then at the Bills, which presumably is going to be desperation time for Buffalo because they're going to be in desperation time from here to the end of the season. And then they're at the Dolphins, home against the Lions. You're looking at a handful of teams there over the next five weeks that are playoff caliber or trying to be playoff teams with a lot on the line. We're going to learn a lot about the Dallas Cowboys, and they will certainly be battle-tested because they're a playoff team. I mean, the NFC, yeah, the NFC isn't you know filled with juggernauts the way the AFC is, so they're going to be in the playoffs, and they're going to be battle-tested over those five games. Yeah, they might win the division when it's all said and done. I mean, here, listen to these stats. Since week six, the Dallas Cowboys, after they lost the 49ers, are 5-1, and one, averaging over 300 yards passing per game. Dak Prescott has an 18-2 to two touchdown-to-interception ratio, and... Those are all tied for first or first in the NFL. His QBR 81, that's also first in the NFL. Nobody's playing better than him, and it's correlated to a lot of wins for, for the Cowboys. 
You can be a part of Greeny Nation on the Dr. Pepper call-in line. Call us, 888-SAY-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. ESPN Nation presented by Dr. Pepper. It's not college football season without the delicious taste of an ice-cold Dr. Pepper. The ones fans deserve. It is Greeny, but Gabe Nigel, Jeff Turn, hanging out with you today, the day after Thanksgiving. And don't look now. The San Francisco 49ers look like they have their swag back. Go into Seattle, notoriously one of the toughest places to play in the NFL. Take it to the Seahawks. Kyle Shanahan, after the game, was impressed with his quarterback, especially the way that Purdy can throw the deep ball. He does that pretty consistently. He's always, always trying to get that one in. Uh, He always, very rarely does he check it down and you tell him he missed the deep one. He looks at it that way. Actually, he did he proved to us while the ball was in there it was the right decision. Um, without you deep, oh uh, yeah, we're all we're all holding our breath as soon as he lets it go because the guy was so deep. And um, but Brock's got some touch and he was able to throw it over him. And um, we took the safety out of there with a, a route um, so he knew if he could get over him, there's no one else left. And he made the throw. And I wouldn't have known it until he threw it. But once he threw it, it obviously it was there. 49ers were up 24-3 to at the half, cruise to a 31-13 victory. And after that three-game losing streak against the Browns, Vikings, and Bengals, they've rattled off three in a row against the Jags, Bucks, and Seahawks. So this is a team that and I, I still i am not quite sure what happened in those three games. And, you know, you, you expect them maybe did, to lose one. Gabe, yeah. I, I think injuries did. You, you didn't have, you didn't have uh, Debo. You, you didn't have Trent Williams. And I think that really hampered anything that they could do offensively because, you know, Debo does so much for that offense. You could put him at the running back position. He's interchangeable with Christian McCaffrey, and that allows them yeah. to to give, you know, Christian McCaffrey a breather and you can run the same place. Plus, I think during that stretch, Brock Purdy learned a lot about himself. Even last night, he throws that, that pick six in the third quarter, and he turns out a, a really good second half protecting the football after that. Gets Brandon Ayuk on that 28-yard touchdown in the fourth quarter, which which essentially puts it away. And so I think that that was a learning experience for them. Remember, they were riding, I think, like a four- or five-game winning streak heading in to that three-game losing streak. Mm-hmm. So now you get Trent Williams back. He's healthy. You got Debo healthy. I think injuries are going to be the biggest thing for the 49ers because if Brock was healthy in that game against Philadelphia, we all know it doesn't go down like that in the playoffs a year ago. So I think they may be their own worst enemy as far as health is concerned. But I, I, I wonder what you think when it comes to seeing the Cowboys, you know, beat the crap out of the commanders yesterday. Yet, you know, they may not be seen as the same team as the 49ers or the Eagles. Yet the 49ers beat up on a Seahawks team and it feels like everybody's like, yep, 49ers are right on par with Philadelphia. How do you sort of separate those three teams? Because it feels like it's a three-team race right now. Yeah, and it's unfortunate for the Cowboys because when you look at some of their splits, road home, and the way they've just been running teams inside AT&T Stadium, and if they're likely at this point not going to get a home playoff game, super unfortunate for the Cowboys as well as they play at home. I mean, a lot of that's going to be determined whether or not they can beat the Eagles in, you know, in the rematch and whether or not they can catch the Eagles in the division. But honestly, I think the 49ers are the best team in the AF- in the NFC. Like the- it's impressive the way that the Eagles can kind of like flip the switch and turn it on in the fourth quarter and put some opponents away. But I think the 49ers are the most well-rounded team right now with the way, when healthy, 
I think, in the NFC. I think the Cowboys proved that they're closer to the Eagles the way that they played uh, the first time around in Philadelphia. If Look, I, I think if the Cowboys play the 49ers, that game's going down differently. They're not just going to get their doors blown off, so it's closer than that. But if I were to power rank those top three teams, it would go 49ers, then it would go Eagles, Cowboys, with that gap between one and two being bigger than it is between two and three. Yeah, I'd probably agree with a lot of that. And I think, too, that Chase Young trade is going to turn out to be one of the best moves the 49ers could have done, solidifying a defense already that was really, really good, but it adds an extra pass rusher. I think it gave them a boost, too, in the locker room to say, you know, we're all in on this. You know, we wanted to add as much talent as humanly possible. And Chase Young at his best is really, really good. So I think that part, accompanied with the return of Debo and Trent Williams from injury, all sort of at the same time as the trade deadline was 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 happening, really gave that 49ers team a boost. Now, if I had to say one other thing that I would be a little bit concerned about come the postseason or maybe in a big game, it would be Kyle Shanahan. Because we've seen in some of these games, for whatever reason, he has some questionable play calls. Back to when they were up big in the Super Bowl and he was calling plays for the Falcons. A couple of times in the postseason, we've seen it now with the 49ers. Kyle Shanahan has to just elevate, I think, a notch up with his play calling for that offense because he has all the weapons in the world and a quarterback in Brock Purdy that typically doesn't turn the football over and is as as cool as you can get in the pocket when you need him to make plays. Where do we put the Lions in this conversation? Because I I was feeling not with those really three good. teams. Sure. Not with those three teams. I was feeling really good about the Lions heading into their game yesterday, Thanksgiving, against the Packers and it felt like it was going to be a moment for the Lions to announce their presence with authority. Hey, we're a different team than what you've been used to seeing at 1230 every Thanksgiving. We're going to be a different team this year. And the, the Packers just took it to them. The, the Packers had scored two first-quarter touchdowns all season. They scored three yesterday. Like, the Packers just took it to them early. Lions behind the eight ball trying to fight their way back. And with the way that they had been able to play offense and put up a bunch of points, the way Jared Goff had been playing, this was a Lions team that was scary. And I think some of that luster was lost falling to a below 500 Packers team yesterday. Yeah, they're going to win the division for sure, I think. I don't think the the Vikings are going to ultimately catch them. And I think the Vikings are the biggest threat to catch them in that division. But I do think yesterday you saw when Jared Goff turns the football over, and he's turned it over a lot over the last two games. Six? Yeah, six. That really puts that Lions team behind the eight ball because they don't have – the same sort of weapons as the 49ers or the Eagles or the Cowboys. And Jared Goff is sort of the, the, the straw that stirs that drink. And when that straw has a hole in it, you, you can't get you know maximization out of that offense. So I think that Jared Goff will take them as far as they can go. And it's going to be up to him to not turn that football over. I don't have a problem with Dan Campbell, you know, fake punt stuff. Uh, that, that, that's in who the he sense, is. That's who he is, man. And that's how they got to this point. That's, that's why we were falling in love with the Detroit Lions because they went for it on fourth down when they could have kicked the field goal with a minute and change left a few games ago, and then they ended up running the clock out. It's the same team that ran a fake punt, uh, excuse me, a, uh, a pass to an offensive lineman last year to seal a game. I mean, those are the things that makes Dan Campbell great. But, yeah, I just think that team, that team is missing maybe, you know, a couple of players depth-wise defensively and probably one more huge playmaker offensively to put them on par with those other teams we just talked about. Yeah, I mean, while the Lions certainly have been impressive, I'm with you. They're going to win that division. They're going to be hosting a playoff game, but I still have a hard time imagining them making it to an NFC championship game. Yeah.
I agree and, with you. And I think yeah. I think they're probably a year or two away. Yeah. But they have built this thing like last year. It felt like a playoff game when they beat Green Bay. They got some experience from that. I think that bodes well for them come to the postseason this year. But you make the postseason, you win the division. And if you get knocked out, you add a couple of pieces, and then you really feel like you can make a championship run in 2024. Coming up next, Ron Rivera says he's not worried about his job after the commander's big loss yesterday in Dallas, but should he be? That's next. I'm Gabe Nodge, along with Jeff Turner, and on Greeny, ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Tomorrow on ESPN Radio, undefeated Florida State looks to impress the playoff committee without injured quarterback Jordan Travis when they head to the swamp to face the Florida Gators. Coverage begins tomorrow at 6.30 Eastern with kickoff at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN. Presented by Dr. Pepper. Greeny, the podcast. This is Greeny. I walked into the hallway and I bumped into Shannon Sharp. Shannon Sharp is a monster. His head has muscles. He could absolutely beat you to death with his neck, his arms, his back is huge. He's enormous really made me feel less of well about myself this is greeny passion drive and patience the formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive ebay motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance superchargers roof racks exhaust kits led headlights and more whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. And Greeny is presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. Hey, hey Gabe, have you, ever, have you ever met a athlete or run into an athlete where you had the same similar situation with Mike Greenberg talking about, you know, running into Shannon Sharp, where you felt like less of a man. So I do a show with one every day. I, I work in Milwaukee. I do a morning show every day on 94.5 ESPN. And one of my co-hosts, one of them is Jen Latta from College Game Day. She's fantastic. She, she's not the person, by the way, who, who makes me feel <laughs> less of a person, although she is, she's very, very talented. Uh, we do the show with Mark Chimura. He is a former Packers tight end, three-time pro bowler, was on their Super Bowl team in 1996. And he's still, 
like to this day, like his routine is going to work out every day. He looks like he could still play football. He is wow. a behemoth of a man. And when Jay Williams was in Milwaukee a couple of years ago doing the ESPN Radio Morning Show because he was also in town for the NBA Finals around the Bucks. He came to our studios and did the show, and he was, like, distracted walking down the hall and just could not believe how large of a human. Because Chewie's, like, 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, and he's still, like, 250, 260 pounds. And, and it's not, like, a fat 260. The dude just ripped out of his gourd. So I've had those I've had those situations unfold when I've shook people's hands, you know, like when you get oh, and their hand just like completely swallows yes. your hand. Adrian Peterson was one where I've never had a handshake that is uh, a harder handshake than Adrian Peterson. Now the other time I felt like an inferior man was when the Super Bowl was in San Francisco, and we just got done interviewing Dan Marino, and we he had forgot something at our table, so we walked it over to him. He was uh, about to go on with Colin Cowherd. So as we handed the stuff to Dan Marino, Dan's talking to Brett Favre. And this is the only moment, Gabe, in my entire life where I have found myself at a loss for words. I, I never am. I'm never intimidated by athletes, celebrities. It just doesn't doesn't phase me. But Dan Marino says, hey, I'd like to introduce you to Brett Favre. And as I shake Brett Favre's hands, the only words that can come to my mind, and I don't know why I said this, but I said to Brett Favre, and he has a huge hand, right? Like oh, it, yeah. Uh-huh. It engulfs your hand. I said to a man in front of Dan Marino, who is also a Hall of Famer, I said to Brett Favre, you're like a god to me. Do you know how awkward that situation became as a man with a huge hand was engulfing my hand, and I tell him he's like a god to me? I did not have anything else that I did not pre-think that. I don't know why I said it, but I've never felt oh, smaller man. in a situation like that than that moment on Radio Row. Oh my goodness! Yeah, and I'm, you I'm are sure a god to me. I, Dan looked at me. I was going to say, Brett, Brett like, Dan just looking like, who are you a fanboy or are you a radio host, man? Like it, it was, it was so awkward, and I was, my hand was hurting. I, I, I was, I was a very inferior man at that point. At that point, uh, it is Greeny here on ESPN Radio. He's Jeff Turner. I'm Gabe Nights as we fill in for Greeny today, and there could be some more coaches looking to fill in some head coaching vacancies. We already have one in the NFL when the Raiders decided to let go of their head coach. Are other coaches potentially on the hot seat? Clearly that was going to be a question after the Washington Commanders got blown out yesterday in Dallas on Thanksgiving. So after the game, the question was asked to their head coach, Ron Rivera, is he worried about his job? Are you worried about what could happen after this game, just in terms of job security or anything like that? I've told you before I'm not worried about anything. All I'm going to do is do my job and see how things go. That's the only thing I can do. And, and in that evaluation, with, and I guess the, the obvious questions are, any staff changes with that? Does that no. Is that part of the evaluation with that? No, I'm not going to get into any of that stuff. Is there a time period where you do have to get into that stuff? I'm not going to get into that stuff, okay? I mean, my guess is that stuff would be during the offseason. Who knows if Ron Rivera is indeed still going to be there, and... Washington is an interesting team because they feel like they've found something in Sam Howell, but they still are a ways away, as evidenced by their loss yesterday to the Dallas Cowboys. Rivera has also been there for a few seasons at this point. Is he on the hot seat? Do you think he could be one of the next coaches let go in the NFL? Absolutely, and I think it's not just about their record right now of 4-8, and eight, losing three in a row. I think it's how they're losing. You know, they are a minus 104 in point differential. They're getting Woof. beat pretty bad, evident of what happened last night. I think you're right about Sam Howell. I have a really good friend. Uh, shout out to Adam, who is a Commanders <laughs> fan through and through. God bless his soul. 
having to go through what he's had to go through over the last 20 years. But he, he likes Sam Howell a lot, and I, I don't think at any point over the last 10 years – has he been able to say he really likes the quarterback of the Washington Commanders? So I think that in itself, that fans believe, hey, man, this dude is, is solid. And you heard yesterday Tony Romo and Jim Nance both talking about it on the broadcast, how they really believe Sam Howell limits some of those turnovers. He's going to be really good in this league and that they've probably found their quarterback for years to come. But, you know, Ron Rivera stepping into a, a situation like year one with the new ownership group would have been much different than the new ownership group coming in after Ron Rivera's already been there. And I think Josh Harris is going to ultimately make a decision to go in a different direction. And I don't, if I'm them, as as much as Eric Bieniemy probably deserves a head coaching job in the NFL, I, I would clean house, man. I mean, I, I feel like that's the direction they were going when they got rid of two of their really good outside pass rushers and traded them away. Now, they still have two all pros sitting there in the middle of that defensive line, but Man, I, I feel like this thing is going to be clean house. We're going to start over from scratch. We're going to go out and get somebody else, whoever that may be, the Belichick rumors, the Harbaugh stuff. I mean, there's always going to be an up-and-coming coordinator that will be in the mix too. But I just feel like this one is for sure not going to be Ron Rivera week one. Although I do believe that if I was running that team, I'd give the respect to a man that's put so much into football in a season we're not going to turn around and more games we lose, the better chance we have to have a higher pick. I don't fire him midseason. I let Ron Rivera end the season as the head coach. You mentioned Eric Bieniemy there, Jeff. He was brought up this morning on Unsportsmanlike when Mike Tannenbaum, ESPN NFL front office insider, brought this up on why Bieniemy being on the staff could factor in to Rivera maybe getting fired. I was part of a decision in 2015 when we hired uh, Dan Campbell, and you sit there with ownership and say, hey, is it going to get better? A, and then B, is there someone on the staff that could be you know part of the discussion long term? And I think you know Coach Rivera has done a really good job for a long time time now look the dynamic there is Eric Bieniemy was on the precipice of being a head coach multiple times and um, Sam Howell has developed obviously the sacks is a big issue but knowing that you have Eric Bieniemy there if I was an owner that could be a factor in the decision making yeah so again basically what he's saying there is maybe they fire Rivera and give Bieniemy an audition over the last handful of weeks in the NFL season that's that's certainly a possibility it's tricky with Bieniemy to me because Sam Howell is playing well and part of the reason why a lot of these young quarterbacks end up struggling and you see it with whether you're talking about you know Baker Mayfield's time in in Cleveland when they were trying to develop him and he had a different play caller every single year like having that consistency is always so important for a young quarterback and if they think they have something in Howell and if Bieniemy is part of the reason that you know Howell's playing so well, I wonder if they try to marry those two together. Now, again, the the, the risk with that is we've seen teams just go, "Oh, you have the good relationship for the quarterback. We'll elevate you to head coach," and that coordinator's just not ready for the head coaching responsibilities. I have no idea with Eric Bieniemy either way. I think that he is part of the reason that Howell is having success this year, and I'm sure it would be best for Howell's development that he stick around. But to your point, I think that whether we're talking about general managers who are coming in or whether we're talking about ownership coming in, people who make decisions at any level always want to have their guys. They don't have somebody else's guys in there. And, okay, I guess we'll try to make this work unless one of those guys happens just to be so undeniably good that you have to keep him around. And I don't think that under Ron Rivera, he's proven, yep, I'm 100% the guy. You've got to keep me around. 
So I think at year's end, he's not going to be there. And the only interesting piece left is, do they try to convince Biennemi around? Because teams have done that before where they hire a head coach and go, oh, by the way, this is going to be your coordinator because he works so well with the young quarterback we're trying to develop. Yeah, and that's why I think for sure you don't make any decisions on coordinators till the end of the year and until the process continues. Because he's under contract, you, you can go out there and sort of figure out what, what you want to do at head coach. And I think you obviously involve Eric Biennemi in that process. But it feels like if you're going to get rid of a couple of stars defensively and probably try to reboot this thing from, you know, because the, the commanders, here's what I've appreciated about Josh Harris coming in. First of all, he started to say, we're not going to do things from a business standpoint how we used to do things from a business standpoint. We're not going to do things from a fan experience standpoint how we used to. We're going to get a new stadium built. We're going to figure out a way to be more competitive. And, yeah, we're going to fix the football on the field. And so I think they're looking at it from everything on down on how they can make this organization a respectable organization that it once was when they were winning Super Bowls. And Eric Bieniemy could very well be a part of that, but it, it comes with that carryover of you were part of the last regime, the regime that got a head coach potentially fired, and is there that carry? And if there's animosity that Eric Bieniemy doesn't get the head coaching job, is there that cohesiveness with the new head coach that they said we had to keep you regardless of who I wanted to be my OC? What I liked about what how Ron Rivera kind of handled that situation in yesterday's press conference, because I believe him. I mean, Ron Rivera's been around the block. Like, he's been around. Yep. He knows how this stuff works. And I, when, he says, when he says, hey, all I can do is go and do my work the way I think it should be done, and I can't worry about the rest. I can't worry about if this is going to be good enough for any of those things. That's going to be a decision that somebody else has to make. I appreciate that. So, well, Ron Rivera is probably on the hot seat. He's not letting it affect him. You can't say that about every other team across the league. For example, Brandon Staley, the head coach of the Chargers, who also calls the defensive plays for the team, they're going through a rough patch. A team that finally broke through, made the playoffs last year, but then blew a big lead in the postseason, ended up losing the Jaguars, and now they're struggling this year. Last Sunday, they took on the Packers. And the Packers scored three touchdowns for the first time against the defense since week two. And there were some things the Packers did against the Chargers defense that made them not look so good. So after the game, Staley was asked if he was going to, you know, still continue to call the defensive plays. And you let me know, Jeff, if this sounds like somebody who's worried about his job. We got to bring this group together and do it consistently. Okay. And that's where it's at. So you can stop asking that question. Okay. I'm going to be calling the defenses. Okay. So we're clear. So you don't have to ask that again. I would say that sounds like a guy that is a little nervous because it feels like internally people don't think he has the respect of his team. That sounds like a guy that's trying to gain back the respect of the locker room and not so much the media. I think that goes without saying there's always going to be that confrontation there when somebody's not doing well. But I think that is a message to his team also because I'm sure that he believes there are conversations going on between players off the record and the media that are driving some of these narratives there with the Chargers, and he's just trying to rein it back in as it feels like he's potentially losing control of that team. Yeah, I think his seats. I mean, we just spent a lot of time talking he's about Ron done, Rivera. Man. Yeah, he's Staley's done. Staley's seat isn't even hot anymore. The, it's seat, done. Just, the seat just doesn't exist. Right. I can't. I can't imagine the Chargers making a big rally and being one of the AFC playoff teams at this point. If I'm the Chargers, I target two guys, and it's like the one situation where 
I want to make sure it's not a up-and-coming coordinator. I want an established winning head football coach as my guy because I feel like the window for, for greatness with a franchise quarterback isn't always 15 years. It may be 7-8 where you get the prime. And that's what you're going to miss out on with Herbert if you don't start to figure this thing He's out. So good, so good, man. And that defense, that defense is the second, I believe, the second highest paid defense in the NFL. Yet is the second worst statistically across the board. And so you have a lot of talent, talent that you evaluated and thought was really good, good enough to pay a boatload of money. I go get a a defensive head coach in Bill Belichick to come coach the Chargers. I knew he was, I knew he was going there. Or I go Harbaugh to coach up Herbert because Harbaugh in the NFL, I mean, dude, look what he did with Kaepernick. Look what he's done throughout his career with quarterbacks after playing it at the NFL level for as long as he did. I either pair it up with Harbaugh as an established head coach and, and I get him to leave Michigan to go coach Justin Herbert or I go get uh, uh, Belichick. And uh, those, those would be the, a lot of times you can go, oh, well, the coordinator stuff works or we can elevate somebody. No, I get an established coach there because right now, they need an authoritarian to come in instead of some guy that can get walked over like Staley's been getting walked over. Yeah, if, if you have an opportunity to just sit down and watch Justin Herbert throughout the course of an entire game, and I know we live in the red zone world, and look, I'm, I'm one of the guys that loves, if, if the Green Bay Packers aren't playing and I don't have a, a job to do like this upcoming Sunday, I am going to park myself in front of red zone and just watch that all day. But after watching him do what he did in, in terms of the throws he can make, God, Herbert is just... He is being it feels like he's being wasted with the Los Angeles Chargers because they should be better than they are. He is one of those upper echelon quarterbacks that should be in the playoffs every year and they just cannot figure it out defensively or even offensively with some of the weapons outside of Keenan Allen. Like they just need a, a change in culture it seems like and I agree with you. Like Bill Belichick on that team makes them infinitely interesting if indeed Bill Belichick's time has come to an end with the New England Patriots. How, how similar or how different do you think this feels for Charger fans or just for the average person that follows the NFL for the career of Phillip Rivers where he never got to a Super Bowl, got to AFC title game I think once or twice, um, but they never got to the Super Bowl and it felt like Phillip Rivers, who's going to be a Hall of Famer, was was someone that had his career wasted with regards to you know winning big. Now Herbert, I think, is a better quarterback than Philip Rivers, but Philip yes. Rivers had crazy numbers. Had Gates, had Tomlinson, you know, at times had a solid defense, but they could never get over the hump. Do you think it's similar, different? How would you evaluate it? Yeah, I think it's pretty similar because the problem with the Chargers was there was always well, I guess there were two boogeymen that they had to overcome. So it was always hard if you were the Chargers because if you were going to go to a Super Bowl, chances are you're going to have to beat Peyton Manning and the Indianapolis Colts and Tom Brady and the New England Patriots. Or Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers mixed yeah, in like, there too, it just, right? It's, yeah, exactly. And, and Roethlisberger and the Steelers were able to do it a couple of times. It's yep. just, it, it was such a hard thing to climb. But it's not like that's changed that much in the AFC because now you have Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs and a lot of other high – High-caliber starting quarterbacks, obviously with the Cincinnati Bengals, not going to happen this year since Burrow's out for the year. Allen's kind of taking a step back with the Buffalo Bills this season, but there are a lot of other high-quality quarterbacks where you're probably going to have to overcome some of the similar things. The only difference is I think you've got a quarterback who's just a tick better than the last guy that you should be able to do it with at least a couple of times. No, 100%. And so I think that part of the, the, the equation for that ownership group and for Charger fans is going to be something that I think drives the narrative 
to, to make sure you put the, the foot on the gas when it comes to the urgency meter with regards to making sure you have the right head coach to give you the best chance to win. Because, like, look in the AFC now, man. You got Mahomes. You got to go over Allen. You got to figure out a way to get over, you know, some of these some of these really good quarterbacks now. Burrow, Lamar. Burrow. Yeah, you have one. I think that is, like, Phillip Rivers, to me, was not on the same level as Manning or Brady. But from a talent standpoint, I think Herbert, outside of maybe Mahomes, there's not another quarterback in the AFC that Herbert can't stack up against on a, on a game-to-game basis. And I don't think Rivers could do that always with those others. So that's why I think the urgency factor here has to be elevated for the Chargers. Quickly, is there just one other name that you think could potentially be on the hot seat that would be interesting to keep an eye on? Ooh, I mean, there's a handful of them. I know we could probably circle back to some of them later, but I, I would probably say Matt Eberflus in Chicago just because there are options out there especially with the Harbaugh name, that are going to drive that narrative as well. The interesting one to me is Sean McDermott. And maybe he still has another year, but when you start firing coordinators, that's when the attention really starts to yep. get turned on yep. you. And if that were to be a job that open, like Josh Allen's the type of talent where that's an attractive opening, much like the Chargers, once that one opens because Herbert's so good, when you have that stud quarterback, it becomes an incredibly attractive opening that a lot of coaches want to um, – go to, um, you know, and go to. So, Greeny, presented by Progressive Insurance. You can always hit us up on the Dr. Pepper call-in line. Um, so, our, so we're, we're reporting this right now, John Kime, saying that Jack Del Rio has been fired. Uh, apparently, Ian Rappaport wow. of the NFL Network first reporting it, but Jack Del Rio. There you go. Talk about fired. coordinators getting fired, and yes, then that, right? the next is the head coach. I think that's sort of the first domino there. And and I always felt like if if, you know, Ron Rivera was was going to get let go that for sure Jack Del Rio would be right behind him and yes. that's no shock that if they were going to keep anybody on that staff it'd be probably the enemy but yeah no shock that Del Rio just got canned yeah I mean after he gave up what 45 points yesterday yeah not not, not a great uh, showing for the commanders you know Jack Del Rio out as the D.C. in Washington coming up next we take a look at one of the teams that was impressive yesterday the Green Bay Packers are they going to be in the mix Really? The Packers in the mix for one of the NFC's final playoff spots? We dive into that next. It's Greeny on ESPN Radio in the ESPN app. Tomorrow on ESPN Radio, in a rivalry that dates back to 1899, Texas A&M heads to Death Valley to face Heisman candidate Jaden Daniels and the LSU Tigers. Coverage begins tomorrow morning at 1130 Eastern with kickoff at noon Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN. Presented by Dr. Pepper. Greeny, the podcast. Snap to love. Lost the left side of the end. Don't Over get the it. shoulder catch. Touchdown, Christian Watson. Yes, they make the Lions pay. And that's going to do it. Yep, Dan Campbell will not stop the clock. Matt LaFleur and the Green Bay Packers come in here and earn a 29-22 victory over the Detroit Lions. I'm just grateful that, obviously, being able to play on Thanksgiving is a special moment. And obviously, being able to get a win like that is special. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. That's what they're saying in Wisconsin today for sure after Jordan Love continues to grow as the Green Bay Packers starting quarterback. It's Greeny, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM, Channel 80. I'm Gabe Knight, so along with Jeff Turner as we fill in for Greeny. Greeny is presented by Progressive Insurance. Uh, before we dive into Packers talk after they defeat the Lions 29-22 yesterday, uh, Adam Schefter is reporting that the Commanders have fired defensive coordinator Jack Del Rio and defensive backs coach Brent Wieselmeyer. And it appears now, Jeff, that uh, Ron Rivera will call the defense after firing his defensive coordinator today. Yeah, usually the, the first, excuse me, the first domino to fall with regards to sort of protecting your your job as head coach is to get rid of coordinators, and then you blame them. And if, if it doesn't get switched around as you take over those roles, or you you cement somebody else in there, then then it's your head that starts to get rolling next. And that's sort of like what happened with McDermott in Buffalo. You go to Joe Brady instead of having. Uh, Ken Dorsey in there, and if, if that doesn't work, if you don't push those right buttons and your seat becomes hotter, I think Ron Rivera is much farther down the road with regards to his seat being hot than Sean McDermott because the commanders just haven't had the same success as the Bills. But this was not a shock. Jack Del Rio was a Rivera guy, and there was a lot of friendship there, I think, accompanied with the, the business relationship of, of running that defense. But that thing is underperformed, and some of it has to do with the fact that they dealt with some injuries. They got rid of two of their best players defensively via the trade and right before the trade deadline. But Del Rio just didn't seem to have an inspired group at all yesterday as they got beat, you know, significantly bad by the Cowboys 45 to 10. Tune in for a football doubleheader Sunday. Colts host the Bucks, followed by Browns at Broncos. Coverage begins at noon Eastern on select ESPN radio stations. This next conversation is one that almost seems impossible because I am in the state of Wisconsin, do a morning show on 94.5 ESPN in Milwaukee, and... The Green Bay Packers, month of October, was terrible. It was bad. They looked like a very, very bad football team. But don't look now. They've won three out of their last four games. They've won back-to-back games for the first time this season and looked really good in a nationally televised game against the division leader in the Detroit Lions yesterday. Packers came out, hit a bomb right away, set the tone early, and Matt LaFleur, their head coach, said, well, our guys, they were juiced up for the game yesterday. Uh, it, it, it felt like it throughout the course of the game. Um, I know our guys were, were juiced up and ready to play, and uh, they've been s- supporting one another throughout you know, all the ups and, and, and the downs. Um, but hopefully we're, we're you know, starting to catch our stride a little bit, and I do think this win goes a long way in terms of building confidence. And we're, we're going to have a, a great challenge in front of us when you've got a team as, with the caliber of, of Kansas City coming into our place next Sunday night in, in Lambeau. The Packers were 2-5, and five, and as I mentioned, now they've won three out of their last four. And while they were at 2-5, and five, Jeff, we were having the conversation of, oh, man, are the Packers going to be a top-10 draft pick? Do, do they end up taking a different quarterback? Do they really believe in Jordan Love? Right now, they certainly believe in Jordan Love. And at 5-6, and six, thanks to winning three out of their last four, they're just one game out of the last two wild-card spots in the NFC behind Minnesota and Seattle. Both those teams are 6-5. and five. Are the Green Bay Packers a playoff team? 
I don't think that they are, but I don't think that the season's going to end as bad as many would have expected it to when you mentioned that they were at 2-5. and five. And I think Jordan Love is, is just getting that opportunity that what a typical rookie would get and some of the things that come with the ebbs and flows of that. I, I always felt like this was never going to be a one-and-done thing for Jordan Love, and you live in that area. I bet you felt the same way just because you know they, they never had a chance to evaluate him in real time over a prolonged period of time. So I don't think it would have been a service to the organization or to Jordan Love specifically to just move on because you had a rough year and you have a bunch of young talent on the outside. Now, Alan Lazard exits stage right, Cobb leaves, and then you're dealing with two young wide receivers out there that you're trying to fit into a, a new regime offensively. And here's what's going to be the difference for the Packers the rest of the year and probably moving forward, and I'm guessing you'd agree with me. It's that defense, man. That defense is playing like they expected that defense to play last year and expected that defense to help Jordan out this year. The defense had been doing well against teams that – Kind of like the Cowboys. You know, we were just talking about the Cowboys earlier. Oh, they've never beaten – they haven't beaten anyone with a winning record yet this year. The Packers were, yeah, doing what they were supposed to do but weren't overly impressive against some teams that didn't have great offenses. Right. And last week, well, they hold the Chargers to 20 points. That's a team that just put up 38 against the Detroit Lions. And I don't know if that – if the Chargers hanging with the Lions and them, them beating the Chargers gave them that confidence to win yesterday. But that's also a really good Detroit Lions offense – and they held them to 22 points, and those last eight points that they scored came with under two minutes left, and you're already up you know, two scores to make it seem a little bit closer than it actually was. This is a team that's playing really well, and their schedule after this Chiefs game that you heard Matt LaFleur mention there, this is their schedule the rest of the way. At the Giants, home against the Buccaneers, at Panthers, at Vikings, home against the Bears. That is an incredibly favorable schedule for the Packers. There's at least three wins there, probably four. Yeah, and that sets up where maybe 9-8 and eight could get you in in what, again, is a very top-heavy NFC. I don't think teams are going to necessarily be sitting there going, ooh, we're scared of the Green Bay Packers, but to be in what you thought was a rebuild and then make the playoffs and get those young players you were just talking about, experience playing in the postseason – incredibly valuable and then they can start filling holes instead of going oh man do we have to start this whole thing over because that's the part that that would have been the tough part if you had a top five pick do you go after a quarterback or not that's certainly not the case anymore in green bay is Dak playing the best football of his career right now we'll talk about it next on greenie on espn radio thanks for listening to greenie the podcast you can listen live each weekday morning at 10 eastern on espn radio or watch the show through the Watch tab on the ESPN app. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcast.